Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out podcast. That was War Curse. The song was called Miracle Broker. It's off of their new album, Confession, which is out today on Metal Blade Records and Blacklight Media. A clinical approach to thrash metal. Might call it groove metal. You can call it whatever you want. You should check out this new record. It's out now everywhere. And just this very second, I realized that the ninth track of this 10-track album is Rusty Nail, a Grip Incorporated cover, which makes it automatically 3,000 times better than it already was. So today is new release day. Please go check it out when you get a chance. That's War Curse, the album Confession, out now on Metal Blade and Blacklight Media. On this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to a band who takes thrash metal in a different direction. It's Ireland's Gamma Bomb, and they've got a new record dropping in November called BATS, capital letters. And it's going to be out on Prosthetic Records, and we're going to talk all about that with Philly and Joe, two original members of the band for over 21 years. We'll get into how they got to where they're at now, the new record, and all sorts of other interesting little tidbits that you could fit into a half hour conversation. But first, Let's keep it domestic. Let's go to New Jersey. Let's get our faces ripped off by Hot Zone. Check it! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family! Make friends till they bury all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! we be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We'll be getting it in! Where you getting it out? Just seconds ago, I saw on my phone when I opened up Spotify that there is a new E-Town Concrete single. I knew it was coming, but I forgot. And there it is. Ready for me. It says level up. Listen to single now. I just went to it. I haven't hit play yet. I'm a little afraid. I got to be honest. That's a band I love. But why do I love them? I'm not sure. Is it all nostalgia? It might be. So it's a little scary to hit play on a new single from an old band that you haven't heard new music for in about 20 years. I guess they did do that EP sometime in the middle ages of the 2000s. Is that called the middle ages? I just mean a time between two times. Uh, middle ages, you can ignore that part. Uh, and I don't remember liking it. And it's kind of been scrubbed from history. So it must not have been good. I don't know. So have you listened to the new E-Town Concrete track? Probably not. Maybe you have. Maybe you love it. Maybe you hate it. Tell me all your opinions. You can put those in the comments of the show. Go to that Spotify little chat box. Type in there what you think of the new E-Town Concrete single. But this podcast is not about E-Town Concrete. That is just a New Jersey uh, delight, a delicatessen, I believe is what the word is. But yeah, this one, we're talking about Gamma Bomb. We're going to Ireland. They got rapping in their songs too. At least they do now. You might not have heard it yet, but you'll get the opportunity soon enough. You've already had the opportunity to listen to several of their albums. And if you haven't familiarized yourself at this point, well, now's as good as time as any. I had a wonderful, delightful opportunity to speak with Philly and Joe from the band on a lunch break conversation. My favorite type of conversation. They're quick, but they're to the point. And these guys simply made it easy. I've talked about this before. Sometimes when I talk to people on the podcast, it's tough. It's hard to get information out of them. They're not very conversational. And other times when like these guys, like Joe and Philly, it just flows. And man, I could have talked to them for another good hour. But unfortunately, time did not allow. 
but it allows you to replay the conversation two times if you want. I can back it up. You can listen to it twice. It won't hurt your feelings. It won't hurt anything about your life except for a little bit of wasted time. Double the information, double the fun. Two people talking times two. That's four plus me both times. That's six. Does the math make it sense? It doesn't really matter. Let's do the damn thing. Before we get into it, though, first, I should play you a song from the band from the new record, Bats. You know, that's the normal practice. I always do that. So let's do it. This one is called Speed Funeral. It's from Bats. And then my conversation with the fellas. got a new album a new gamma bomb album coming out on prosthetic records november 10th it's called bats first thing i need to know is 
Are the capital letters necessary? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I don't think we intended for the album to really be written in capital letters, but I think because it's a short word and it's kind of spooky, immediately everybody has started calling it bats. And I guess we just started calling it bats in capitals. <laughs> As I would say, listen, you know, Gamma Bomb is music with caps lock on. So I think that's... <laughs> You know, I think that's an appropriate way to, to do it. Like all the monster movies, like Them or Ants or, you know, Chickens or whatever. It's always in capital letters to make it look more scary, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Bats are not quite as scary unless it's in caps lock, you know? Yeah, that's it, man. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big, bold album. So I think it's appropriate in this it's a wild album. I've listened to it a lot lately, and I understand the use of capitals. Ooh, fuck it, whatever. It works, you know? Um, uh, tell me a little bit about the history of Gamma Bomb. I'm, of course, familiar. It's over. It's been over 20 years. I think this is your, I think it's your eighth album. I could be wrong about right. that. But I've been familiar right. with you guys for, for years. So, uh, so just, well, actually, let me ask a question on top of that. Has things gotten weirder? with Gamma Bomb as the years have gone on, or have you always been this strange? Things have always been weird. I don't, uh, Joe, what's, I think we've always been a bit weird. Um, too, too weird to die, right? The t- 2006 version of weird was being into the Ninja Turtles or, you know, being right. into Superman 2 a lot. Whereas now I think those things are normal. So I don't know. We had to go on more weird topics to talk about. Yeah, we've kind of groomed ourselves. I think we were never the typical thrash band, probably just because of the makeup of the personalities in the group and where we're from. You know, we're not from a place that's renowned, um, apart from maybe Thin Lizzy. It's not renowned for its heavy metal music and certainly not where we're from. We're from a, a, a large border town and grew up in a very unusual uh, environment. So I think the type of people that we are necessitated that the band be unusual, I think. And there never seemed any question as much as when you start a band, you try to kind of copy bands that you love. There was never yeah. any question that we were kind of pretending to be someone else. You know, we didn't like, we didn't like put on a whole air or anything. Um, it was, it was always very much like we are just this gang of lads playing these songs. <laughs> and I think that's still there. Although there's some theatricality there. And I think those things have kind of built up over time. Um, but yeah, like we've always we've always been a little bit weird because we're we're kind of weird guys. We're not your usual uh, we're not your usual Pantera fans, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I think it's something that's always made you guys stand out. I I, get, I guess the reason that I say it seems more weird now is because the the songs. The, when I listen to this record, there's it seems like you're taking more chances. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's just recency bias, and I'm just you know listening to this one fresh, and I hear the <laughs> the. Egyptian rapper in the first track or, or the yeah. saxophone at the at the what's it called bats in your hair or whatever the, the closing track is and also yeah. maybe because it starts and starts and ends with two things that are outside the realm of normal uh thrash metal or crossover that it, you know seems to stick out yeah absolutely I, I I don't think you should second guess yourself man that is exactly where we're going I think um you know, pe- people outside heavy metal hear me this hear this record will probably go, "Hey, there's another pretty typical heavy metal record." But the right. people who have been following us and to ourselves who have been writing the music, I think it's probably the most eccentric um, and the most daring we've been musically, and that comes out of a place of comfort. You know, with uh, comfort with each other and comfortable pushing the boat out. What, what do you think, Jim? 
Yeah, like this is definitely a little more varied, this record. Um, I suppose whenever you've written hundreds of really, really fast thrash songs, you're eventually going to go, okay, let's try and see, do the 80s have anything else to in its pockets we can hoof out? So that was the important thing with stuff like The Egyptian Lover or The Saxophone was that it had to kind of fit into you know, our retro kind of version of what we kind of like to do. So, but yeah, like I think uh, it's, you know, maturity isn't really a word that you would describe whenever you're talking about this kind of music, but it's definitely, it's made by mature people who've been making records for so long. Now it kind of feels like the logical next step for us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting time. I think the last album, Sea Savage, it had... It was a product of the lockdown um, and we had quite a long time to write it and uh, it was very productive. And I think around that time, being stuck at home and writing so much music, that allowed us to push the boat out a little more. So there are songs on that that you might not have heard on any of our previous albums. It was kind of like a slow grade up and then lockdown just made it explode in terms of the songwriting right. or in terms of the approach to songwriting. And the fact that that album went well for us and people enjoyed hearing some of those songs live we kind of almost had to come out of our shell a little bit. We were playing slower songs live and people were people were enjoying four minutes rest <laughs> in the middle of constant mosh pitting. And that kind of told us, right, this is a good thing to do. It works live. It feels right to play these songs. People seem to enjoy listening to them. So that gave us permission or we gave ourselves permission uh, to write more music like that. I think when people hear this album, it may sound like it's a rather glib and a fun enterprise, but there actually is quite a lot of thought that goes into this. And I think we were in the right kind of comfort zone to, to, to make this music and have fun with it, really. You know, I think it's never been for us to be overly serious about um, ourselves. We've always taken our music seriously, but we've never taken our, ourselves seriously. And I think that's what this album has in spades. I think what I like about it when I listen to it is that it sounds confident. It doesn't sound like you guys are just fucking around. It sounds like you knew what you wanted to do and you executed it well. And I think sometimes it takes bands putting out and you kind of nailing down that bass sound that they want to have, like whatever, say we just want to do fucking thrash metal for five albums. And then we're going to start throwing in some other shit. And sometimes that turns other people away, like longtime fans and fuck them. Who cares? They can listen to the old stuff. Right. But I think it's always fun to mix it up a little bit and do you feel like that there's that confidence now with gamma bomb that you'll just you're gonna do whatever you want to do i mean joe you joe you talk you talk joe tell us what you think <laughs> um yeah like i i think that just the, the again the more songs you write the more comfortable it feels where you're like okay well we can definitely still write three minute extremely fast songs that kind of comes second nature to us now so it's always like instead of trying to write songs in weird time signatures or seven minute songs, it's like, okay, how do I write bigger courses? How do we try and instill some of Dio or a bit of Judas Priest into this instead of, you know, down tuning or trying to make our black album or something, you know? That's it. And, and yeah, like our, our direction of travel, probably for like not just this album, probably for like the last three albums or maybe longer, has been, as Joe said, tending towards kind of traditional heavy metal that we love and that we loved growing up um and uh looking to uh look into that kind of songwriting i think we're in like we're in a really interesting place right now with the band it's a good place personally touchwood we all get along very well and we enjoy what we're doing uh and for a couple of years look when you're in a band for like 21 years there's periods that you can look back on and go oh that was a bit shitty you know, mm-hmm. like you did like a short tour and, and no one was at the shows. That kind of thing has happened to us. Uh, you know, like you're touring in the winter and it sucks or you're arguing a lot when you make a record. And we've been through those periods. And, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, 
we can see now that we're actually in a really good period. We get along well personally. We enjoy the process. For some reason, by sticking around and keeping writing songs, we now, you know, please God, we play shows and people show up. Uh, you know, so like it feels like a good feedback loop and we feel like we know, we feel like we have an audience who get it. Um, so for that reason, uh, we're in a good place in our career and also we're, we're being much more fearless with the kind of music that we're writing. So I don't see any reason to pull back on that. Um, we released a single yesterday uh, called Rusted Gold, which I think is not the typical Gamma Bomb song. It's probably the first, agree. Yeah. It's probably the first track people have heard which is not the typical Gamma Bomb from this album. Our first single was called Speed Funeral. It was chosen, kind of, to be honest, kind of chosen by the label because they didn't want to scare people. The truth is half the album or more than half the album is not speed metal or it's, mm-hmm. you know, typical. Uh, and that song came out yesterday and people really liked it. So I guess that shows us our instinct to write. You know, Damo said an interesting thing to me last week. He said, I think if we had just tried to make Citizen Brain again and again, we would have broken up. You know, that album's like 15 years old that we made. And I think that's true. Even though the outsiders, the differentiation might not be that strong between these things, we're always trying something new. We're always trying to learn something new. In this case, it was about trying to make the whole album soup to nuts ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and also trying to push the songwriting and and have a bit more fun with it. And, you know, we learned something and people seem to enjoy it so far. So I'm going to keep my hair on for now. Good, good, good. Well, I saw, speaking of like the influence, I definitely hear that traditional heavy metal stuff in there. And I was interested to read in all the press materials and elsewhere that you reference Bad Brains as an influence uh, on this record. And I love Bad Brains. I love hardcore punk. That's half of what this record collection behind me is. That's where I'd say I'm I'm most in. Um, so tell me about their influence on your sound, on Gamma Bomb. Have you got any Bad Brains insight? Like, I, I think really like a big thing for us is I suppose we kind of got introduced uh, to punk whenever we started out playing in Belfast. A lot of our early shows were with bands like GBH and Poison Idea and that kind of thing. So we always felt very, very at home uh, with those people. And then like kind of politically, like we're obviously kind of left-leaning band. We always like kind of found a lot of punks kind of understood where we were coming from with that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, but like specifically Bad Brains, there was the kind of the idea that your songs could be pretty fast and stuff like that. And they didn't necessarily have to be too metally. You know, we really, really dial back a lot on the game, on the guitars and stuff like that. So it's less about that Exodus crunch and actually more about trying to get a really loud kind of Stratocaster sound that you would kind of maybe associate more with bands like Bad Brains, Dead Candies, that kind of thing. And then I guess as well, Part of it is because Philly is quite a like a unique kind of frontman. Like um, so, there anytime you hear something like that in thrash, like in violence or even acid rain or something, people always associate it with something like Bad Brains or Dead Candies again because they're like, oh, this guy isn't he isn't singing in the normal normal way you would associate with this kind of crossover music. You know, something's wrong with this guy. Uh, yeah, Joe, thanks for the thanks for the diplomatic uh, the diplomatic phrasing there. Uh, yeah, I think. You know, like me and Joe, we've been best friends since we're 11. And I think growing up, we as teenagers, even when we first started really getting out to local shows and stuff, punk was a big part of that, you know, and and our friend like Joe and his brother and stuff would have been very, we were all into Green Day and we were into like 
bad religion and rancid and uh mm. you know offspring and stuff like that was a big part of us being like 13 14 and punk was always there when i grew up at home too my older brothers were into the pistols they were into buzzcocks pogues uh clash um you know and, and i was listening or exposed to a lot of that music i was too little to listen to it and at heart i've always personally find punk really exciting and really real to me like i've always absolutely loved punk music but i'm physically just not i just don't <laughs> I don't fit the bill i'm like a little skinny middle class guy who's too nice and i've never really dressed up like even when i was a teenager i didn't dress up as a punk yeah. but i always felt like i had it in me and i absolutely fucking love that music um so i think it was always there and and again you know my my singing voice is a bit of a blunt instrument it, I kind of sing the way I talk and that comes out. I suppose in my kind of shouty talky voice, it sounds a bit like Jello Biafra. So I suppose that steers it a little bit. Uh, those influences all come into it. The Bad Brains thing, I think, I think that's kind of JR. You know, JR loves uh, to write riffs that are in the vein of that. Bad Brains Exploited is another one that he tends to reference quite a lot. Every album that JR has a song on, there's a little bit of an Exploited vibe off it. I think like... Uh, Lords of the Hellfire Club on the last album. So, yeah, like punk is a thing that we've all grown up with and through. And I think it's kind of still there in the background for us. You know, I, I still listen to, I'm listening to The Clash a lot right now. Um, I'm listening to Sandinista pretty much every every week at the minute. And yeah, it's something that's always there. It's something that feels very real. A lot of other, like obviously a lot of the original thrash bands were coming from punk or were mm-hmm. reacting to punk. So I think it's a core thing there. Now, I don't see it as much. I don't see it as much in right. trash bands. I think death is the big thing in trash now. Mm-hmm. Deathy music or black metal-y like Hell Ripper, who do a very good job of twisting that up into something kind of rock rock and roll-y. Um, but yeah, for us, punk was just, I don't know, it's kind of the water we were swimming in. Northern Ireland is a massive place for punk as well, or it was in the 1970s, 1980s. So, you know, we were kind of, we were kind of swimming in that water. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why, I mean, that's what you referenced there about other bands not really dipping in or at least acknowledging those influences is why I asked, because now it's it's less likely. I mean, you, you used to see it back in the Slayer used to always reference, uh, you know, punk bands that they were into. Um, but but uh, but rarely do bands now. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. But anyway, it's something that I appreciate because we, you know, we, I like that. Joe, Joe was saying, sorry to me to talk across you. Joe was saying... Um, Recently, it is almost kind of a box tick for us that with every album, we kind of say, well, where's the punk song, you know? Mm. And they're always great fun. And we have a punk song on this album with <laughs> lyrics by Percy Shelley. <laughs> greatest, greatest guest songwriter we've ever had. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a thing. It's a thing that we're still doing. Well, tell me about some of these guests on this record. There's a couple of them. Yeah, so... Uh, probably, probably the most uh, in- interesting and unusual is we have uh, a guest rap, our first guest rap ever, uh, which is by The Egyptian Lover. Uh, The Egyptian Lover is someone who is probably not well known in the mainstream, but he's a very important figure in the genesis of both hip-hop and electro music. He, Mm -hmm. back in 1980, 1981, was one of the first people to loop records. He was the man who made the 808, the TR-808 Roland rhythm composer, the core drum machine of hip hop and later pop music, um, mm. because he kind of he would play it live when he was in this hip hop group called Uncle Jam's Army. Uh, he he comes from the streets. He's real as real man, and uh, 
a lot of his friends were gangbangers. He wasn't interested in that. So he took this name, Egyptian Lover, to differentiate himself. He was more interested in the ladies and in making music. And uh, throughout the early 1980s, he sort of laid down the format for a lot of that music that was to come. He's very respected within it. When you when you see the hip hop 50th anniversary celebration at the Grammys, his name was up there in lights, you know, behind uh, Run DMC when they were on stage. Uh, so we've been fans of him for years. We discovered him through my wife and uh, we we would listen to him on tour as kind of like a palate cleanser, you know, with this like crazy hip hop electro music that's like kind of very ironic and knowing and, you know, it's all about being sexy and stuff. So we always found it really good fun. And then we, you know, Joe had this song, Egyptron. So Joe, you pick up the tale of how he ended up, ended up in bed with this guy under his Egyptian cotton sheets. One of those kind of things, isn't it? Like kind of with heavy metal music, you know, we were like, when is the Egypt themed album coming? Like, you know, <laughs> that was kind of, there was a bit of a vibe like that. We we're like, okay, right. We're going to write the song. Uh, obviously kind of Iron Maiden, he buzz about it. So I don't know, even know how we got into it, but me and Philly had been listening to this guy uh, who wrote a song in the 50s called Come to the Casbah, uh, which the middle riff is kind of based on. So somehow that got into it. And what happened with the Egyptian lover was, yeah, we'd been listening to him. And we were just saying, yeah, if only there was something we could put in here from someone who really knew, like we were thinking they're a guest, but like, you know, a guest verse, maybe we could ask Bobby Blitz or someone like that. Mm-hmm. And then we just thought Egyptian lover, like his whole fucking career is based on Egypt and stuff like that and Electro. So this makes total sense to ask yeah. him. It just surprisingly, he was like, yeah, like he's in totally DIY, does everything himself kind of thing. So um yeah, it's just one of those cases. If you don't don't ask, you don't get. Kind of the same with getting the guy from the Pogues to do a song. Like we just asked, and he happened to say, "Yeah, all right." Yeah, I just DM'd him. I, slid, I literally slid into his DMs, told him, "Here's the deal. You know, we'd love to do a song with you." And he came back, and he just, I think he just said, "Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds amazing." Is what he came back with. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." And then when I sent him the demo, he just replied, uh, "Going to be volcanic." <laughs> so, yeah, he, he went and like recorded this rap. So like that's the Egyptian lover. I'm very proud of it. Um he's been an amazing experience. He's such a incredibly laid back cat. He's such a nice guy. Um and we've got a really cool video coming for that. I think that song really pushes the boat out. It's like a six minute power metal epic with this crazy breakdown. Uh we also have um as I said before, it's not really a guest appearance, but one of the songs takes its lyrics from a classic poem by Percy Shelley, the romantic poet. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
by dying in the early 19th century, he's written lyrics for a new album. Um, impressive. And, yeah, impressive. That was actually the idea of our old guitarist, Luke, uh, who we're still very tight with. He was, I was trying to find lyrics for this punk song Joe wrote, and Luke texted me out of the blue and went, you're aware of this poem, The Mask of Anarchy? And I was like, no, I've never read it. Um, oh, it's by Shelley. And he was like, yeah, to make good lyrics. And I was like, okay, done. That's kismet. <laughs> um, and then the other one is, um, I kind of don't want to spoil it, but the finale of the album, you can't, you've said it already, you spoiled it Yeah, already. yeah, sorry. So, uh, yeah, the finale of the album has like a blazing Tina Turner style sax solo, uh, which is delivered by um, a friend of mine uh, called Gav Kearns, who is an Irish saxophonist, and he's played in lots of bands over the years, and he kind of stepped up to do that. He also plays a little bit of clarinet on uh, Egyptron. So, yeah, like, look, for us, this is some crazy stuff. We're not really that interested in going to other heavy metal artists cameo, you know, especially now obviously present company accepted, Joe mentioned Bobby Blitz earlier who is a friend of ours obviously someone like that I'd be delighted to deal with, but like we don't really go looking for cameos especially now that it's become rather cynical and a lot of guitarists are kind of charging for solos you'll mm. see small bands who'll have a big guitarist on a playing solo they paid them 500 bucks you know, or a thousand bucks or something to do it and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. I don't like it. I, I, I don't like any transaction in that type of shit. It's supposed to be collaboration, right? <clears throat> right. Yeah. Even, uh, even this with what I do. Uh, there's, I every episode that I put out, I play music from bands that I just want to share at the front and end of the episode, and they're they're not the band I'm interviewing. And yeah. I know for a fact because I've been told by these people who do similar things to me, they charge people for those spots, and I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah, you know, like. Really? It's it's ridiculous to me to charge anybody to you know, whatever, but that's I mean that's two different things, but kind of triggers me obviously. It's payola, it's payola, whatever way you do it, you know. And like, you know, if you're an artist, you know, if you're an artist, you're supposed to team up with another artist. It's supposed yeah. to be collaborative. You're both supposed to you're both supposed to get something creatively out of that. And look, maybe maybe you can both get something financially out of it if people absolutely love it. You know, I'm sure Jagger and Bowie knew that we're going to make a few quid off yeah, yeah. You know? but like you're supposed to do it because then you enjoy and there's again you learn something from it or you, you get some fulfillment from it so no that's not for us and i think also as well you know we have in terms of heavy metal we have all the skills we need you know we're never like oh man this song would really be lifted up if we had someone can go ah like i can go ah that's fine <laughs> you know, we don't really need an amazing guitar solo we have lots of that we have like a whole bunch of guitar players so you know um so yeah i guess it's going looking for something going looking for something more interesting is the ticket it's cool it really helps with the dynamics of the record and uh like i already told you i really liked it especially that last song reminds me a little bit of uh maybe maybe you'll hear it maybe you won't a little bit of murphy's law at the end of the record there oh, yeah. and uh okay, yeah yeah and uh, I enjoyed that. And it's funny Funny you mentioned Bobby Blitz a couple of times because I wrote down Living Dead in Beverly Hills really reminds me of Overkill, specifically mm-hmm. Elimination, um, which is, a, oh, I, nice. you know, I think, easy easy to say my favorite uh, Overkill song ever. But I've always changed the name to Eliminate Stand. So it, the chorus is Eliminate Stand, oh, Eliminate <laughs> Stand, you know, like whatever. And then I have all sorts of lyrics that go along with it. Eliminate yeah. the Eliminate huh? the strong. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, know, you got it. Lemonade See? the right, lemonade the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. You, look, you've caught a steal in there, really. Joe, do you want to talk about our thievery of Overkill's ideas and music and ideas? <laughs> well, exactly. you know, it was one of those things, actually, that we actually 
grew up with not a huge amount of overkill influence. We were really into, obviously, Bay Area thrash and stuff. And then stuff like Flotsam and Jetsam and Agent Steel and Sodom and all that. So it was only actually whenever we started touring kind of professionally back in about 2008, we did a, a few tours with Overkill. And Bobby was just really, really, really nice to us. Um, we were playing a show somewhere and Philly on stage was like, I hope you like the taste of hospital food or something to the crowd. <laughs> and then the next day, Blitz arrived at our like Winnebago with six Heineken and was like, I'm going to use that from now on. So... I'm giving you six beers for that. And we were like, we're going to steal all of your moves for the rest of our career, Bobby. So six Heineken for you. Yeah, no, no, they're, they're very sweet. They're very, very sweet guys. And we learned a lot from them. And look, it's it's probably a matter of record at this point that we stole a lot from them. And around that time, uh, I had a, within a couple of years of that, I had a vocal injury that meant there were a couple of years where I couldn't sing like you used to. <clears throat> and I couldn't like sing in a high voice. And around that time I started learning how to use the other parts of my voice and yeah like I find I can I can sing like Bobby Blitz like I'm, I'm no Bobby Blitz but I can sing like him and we started using that in records and I think it used to be much more pronounced maybe a couple albums back there was a lot of that because it's a cool tone you know it's a nice thing you can kind of you can switch it on it sounds mean and it's aggressive and I think he's one of the best trash singers and um, I think we still we still dial that up every so often you know right. I think there's Few songs. There's a song in this album called uh, "Don't Get Your Hair Cut," and I think it's very, very overkill. There's a couple of bits in it that are just the riffs are just very overkill. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, we we sort of um, kind of learned to love their tunes on the road. We hadn't listened to them much, as Joe said. We got to know them as guys, and they're amazing. And they've offered us a lot of advice over the years, and um, they've been very generous to us. So I suppose we kind of like the Borg. We kind of absorbed. We kind of absorbed a little bit of overkill, that magic, you know. That's good. Uh, that nobody, nobody listens to thrash metal is going to complain about a little overkill influence. Totally. You know? and, and you know what I love about overkill? Overkill are they're very real. They, their personality really comes through. They're again, they're just one of those bands where like you can tell what kind of guys they are by listening to the records. There's no fakery. There's not a lot of theater to it. You know, they are these New Jersey kind of wise asses. Um, yeah. And I think being Irish. You probably can't avoid really having your personality in your music. So I suppose in that sense, we're kindred souls. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't you can't mute <laughs> how strong the personality is where you come from. You know, that's good. I think that's part of the charm of Gamma Bomb, to, to specifically. Um, you mentioned before a little while back that you guys chose to self-produce this record, and I believe it's the first time you self-produced the whole thing, right? So tell me about that decision and why you went that way. I guess part of it really is just the, the idea that we would I, I eventually like to be totally DIY, you know. Um, just dealing with people over the course of years, we've had some brilliant producers, Scott Atkins in particular, like, you know, he produced a whole bunch of our records and he was great. And we kind of, you know, specifically Domo really learned the tools of the trade so well that by the time we made Sea Savage, you know, we were doing a lot of the tracking ourselves and we're just going to get it mixed by somebody else. So it was more of a case this time to say, right, can we make an album we really like just totally independently, you know? Um, so hopefully we'll start seeing a bit more of that in different areas of the band, like, you know, booking our own shows or, you know, printing our own merch, you know, down down the line a little bit. But it was definitely, you know, it's difficult because as Philly will tell you, you know, whenever you're recording guitars or bass, it tends to be there's a right or wrong way to do it. You know, something's in time or not in time or whatever technical issue with it. Whereas... 
singing and drumming and stuff is so like expressive that you really do need someone else there, you know? So like what we were actually doing, we were using um, technology so that Philly could stay in his house and record and the signal would go through to Domo's desk and his computer and he uh, Domo would be there on Skype talking him through it saying this this take needs to be better, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Yeah. But it's great because like again, that's that's what every band wants. You know, every band wants a fresh set of ears. So mm-hmm. we're just lucky that we're old and mature enough to be able to kind of trust our own ears at this stage, you know. Yeah, and I think it's you know, none of these things pop up overnight. Like four albums back, we were able to roughly demo stuff in the room and have digital files um and then start using things like dropbox which a lot of bands do now like even massive mm-hmm. like radio and all these dropbox to send each other songs so we started doing that like three or four albums ago we were able to start demoing in separate places you know like the dude like the lads would be in ireland and they would send me a demo when i lived in england and i would do the vocals over it at home and then just over time we all bought more gear and i think domo was always quite in i think domo did it. his course was in music production years ago when he went to college and um i think it kind of just gradually emerged and then the thing that forced it again was lockdown being stuck at home you know we had this new record deal we had to do something with it we had all the time in the world so we just started sort of recording at home and domo produced c savage and we were like right we can we can do that domo can produce this and we know how to we learned how to kind of work at home together to make a record and then with this one, we were like, well, let's just go one further. Let's make, let's record, mix, master, you know. And we we always uh, take a very strong hand in the creative aspects of the band. You know, the merch design, merch styles, the art, the inlay, tour posters, social media, videos. We always come up with the concept of the videos. I direct the videos usually, most of the time. So, you know, we take a very strong hand in it. So it kind of makes sense to start producing the albums ourselves. Domo is extremely meticulous. He's a very tough, he's a very, very tough taskmaster. You know, the single that came out yesterday, Rusted Gold, uh, I recorded 300 vocal takes for that song. To get that. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. 300. Which actually sounds like something's gone very badly wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's 300 vocal takes to make that song, yeah. So that was, you know, a couple of them were to find out where we're going with this part over here and like, and then well, let's get that harmony and then other like most of the song has I think almost the entire song has double or triple my voice all the way through mm-hmm. there's no harmonies all the way through uh, uh, you know so matching up every little and, and, and that you know and you've got to do takes doesn't it and then at one point a couple of days in the recording it done it was like there you go 300 takes and I was like okay kill me now and that was the first song we recorded Part of it is definitely being older and, you know, people in the band having responsibilities. You know, whenever we first signed Eric, we would go away for a month and, like, you know, just sit in a little cottage somewhere in England and go to the studio every day and play the Dawn of the Dead board game at night and stuff like that. And, you know, now everyone has kids and families. It's not really feasible to feck off for a month and drink beer, you know, so people would do that, but we're supposed to be doing gigs when we're doing that now, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and who knows, maybe maybe someday when... Uh, or old, we can go away and start having jollies making records again. But uh, at least we'll be doing it ourselves. We'll only have ourselves to blame when we don't deliver. Yep. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What are you each most looking forward to with the release of Bats? Uh, I'm just looking forward to hearing what people think of it, you know, because I think that a lot of our fans are probably into the same kind of stuff as us, like Priest and Dio 
So I think that they'll appreciate a little bit more of that kind of in the Gambom sound. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that That and going out and just uh, doing some gigs. As bizarre as this is going to sound, like we're like an insane way through the work for the next record already. So it's probably very likely that there's going to be another one pretty soon. So we're just going to try and concentrate on gigging really. And, um, and then we'll start worrying about recording maybe at the end of next year. I'm I'm looking forward to meeting people who have listened all the way through to the record, because like singles is one thing, but people right. who have heard it all the way through, because I think it's 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 interesting to think it's like it, it could be an album that really splits people, or it could be an album that people are totally ready to come along with, and all our fans will just go, "I saw this coming from you." <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? This is going to yeah. be what what seemed like it was going to be next, and maybe that'll be great. Uh, the joy of this is. We're, we're coming at this from a place of really good self-confidence. Like, we're not paranoid about this record. If people don't like it, that is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're, we've made the record we want to make. We're in a good place as friends and as people who collaborate and make things together. And it felt like a really honest, good piece of work to make. And, like, we made all the decisions based on what was good for the record, not based on who wanted what song on it, politics, and I don't like this, and you got one, so I'm getting one, which we and every other band have been prayed to in the past. So it's like, it's just like, this is it. This is like a really good product. And we're like, okay, um, let's see what people think. But even if they don't like it, we don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs>
So there you have it. That was my conversation with the fellas in Gamma Bomb. The song you just heard was Rusted Gold off of Bats. Coming soon on Prosthetic Records. I want to say November 10th. I could be wrong. Maybe it's November 17th. It's not. That's my birthday, by the way. So I remember every single record that's coming out on that day. That's probably a lie. But, you know, you didn't catch me in it. So maybe it's not. We'll see. We'll find out. Actually, no, let me give you the real date on the release of this Gamma Bomb record because it's important that you note it on your calendar. Calendly, do you got one of those? Google Calendar? What do you use to keep track of your tasks in your to-do list? I recommend a Google Calendar. Anyway, I was right. It's November 10th on Prosthetic Records. BATS, all caps. We got to make sure we hammer that point home. We got to make sure you're ready for it because it's something to anticipate and be ready for. Thanks. To Philly and Joe for their time. Thank you for your time listening this far along. Always much appreciated. You know the deal now. I'm going to try and convince you to open up your podcast app and rate this thing five stars. And most importantly, subscribe. I always forget to ask people to do this. I always have. But do the thing that you that you should do, that you should have been doing for years and just subscribe. Follow whatever it's called on whatever app you listen to. Make sure this thing goes right into your feed immediately. It's what I got to do with all the podcasts that I like to make sure that I can see them every day. And sometimes I decide I'm skipping that one. Hey, and you can skip this one every now and then if you so choose. If you look at it and go, I don't particularly like that band or I never heard of that band. I'm going to skip it, though. I should caution. I should suggest that if you're going to skip something because you don't know what it is, that's a bad way to go about. Those are the ones that you should especially be listening to. If it's somebody you've heard have a million conversations, I get that. I'm not going to ask them anything too interesting. And my personality is not that unique that you need to listen to the podcast for somebody that you heard before. But you should because you're loyal to me and you owe me many things, right? I think we can all agree on that. But what you should do for sure, if you're not going to do any of that, is go to gettingitout.net. Check out what's going on there. There's a few things, okay, that you need to be aware of. Uh, Just yesterday, I posted news of the Disturbing the Peace Festival announcement that's happening in Baltimore. Great hardcore fest. You know the deal by now. But if you don't, it's their third year. And this time they're coming at you hard with a biohazard reunion. I guess it's not the reunion since they're already back together. But biohazard original lineup back in town, January 27th and 28th. I don't know which date they're playing yet. I'd assume it's the Saturday, whenever that is. I'm not looking at a calendar, pal. H2O, Baltimore's own Gut Instinct, Outburst playing Baltimore for the first time, The Chisel from the UK, Suburban Scum from New Jersey, Section Hate from California, Regulate from New York, Naysayer from Richmond, Raw Brigade from Columbia, Jive Bob from Baltimore, Buggin from Chicago, Life's Question from Philly, Baltimore, Chicago, they've kind of claimed all of them at one point, Karma from Chicago, Cold Times, never heard of them, Choice to Make, Wilkes-Barre Hardcore, Red Eye, never heard of them, Backlash, never heard of them. Baltimore Soundstage, January 27th and 28th, 2024, presented by Flat Spot Records. And PBR, I guess. PBR is uh, sponsoring fests this year. has been an ongoing thing. I don't know what that's about, but uh, whatever. Cool. I should get some PBR. You know what? I think maybe just because it's, it's, uh, it's October 20th and I haven't had a drink all month, everything's looking good, even a PBR. Who am I to judge? I don't know. I think it's cool. Anyway, you could also go to gettingitout.net and check out the list of new releases that are out this week. There's lots of good ones, but we're running out of time. New release days are going to start waning. It's going to start getting worse. The pickings are going to start getting slim. If you like hardcore, since we're talking about hardcore, I'd suggest picking up Hold My Own. 
they got a new one. It's called uh, it's called something hardcorey. I'm sure. There's a new one from Sirith Ungol. I just talked about them last week when I was talking to Robert Garvin. Uh, there's all sorts of decent things out this week. Golden, who I tend to enjoy, industrial stuff from New York, it released a deluxe edition of First Blood. Hippie Death Cult is out on Heavy Psych Sounds. That's cool stuff. You should listen to that. Merker and uh, Marth. Those are both f- like female solo projects. One on Relapse, one on Southern Lord. Check those out. Uh, Satan Weed. Have you heard of that? I haven't, but it's out today. And <laughs> there's cool stuff always from Dying Victims Productions. When they release records, they put a lot out on on a single day. At least today they have two. One from Savage and the other from... Uh, What's the other band? Um, Reckless. Savage and Reckless. Not the same band. All right. It's not Savage and Reckless. It's Savage as well as Reckless. And uh, if you're looking for something really intense and awesome, check out the new record from Stomach. It's called Parasite Out on Hibernation Release. That's all the plugging I feel like doing for now, but I will plug you one more thing. As I tell you to listen to this track, I'm going to close out the episode with. It's another one from Brazilian death metal outfit, Crypta. I've played them a bunch on the podcast so far. They, they, their songs kind of trickle into me one by one, which makes it easy to play on the podcast. So I know which ones are pertinent, which ones they want you to hear. This one is going to be called Stronghold. It's off of their new record, which um, I'm not sure when that comes out. But it will come out soon, apparently, because they're rolling out track after track or it's already out. Actually, it's already out. It was released in August. That's right. Um, Anyway, this one's from Crypta. It's called Stronghold. Check it out. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.